If you're ready for the word, say, I'm ready. Today is a message that I have not taught in our church. You are the first church to hear this message, so I believe it is divinely orchestrated for you. Somebody say, this is for me. Meaning that it ain't for your neighbor in them. Because I know sometimes you hear a word and you think, man, I wish sister so-and-so was here for it. But I believe that this word is for everybody who is here and watching online today. Somebody say, this word is for me. The title of today's message is Destined for Greatness. And I want you to say this by faith. I am destined for greatness. Do you believe that today? If you believe that, I need you to say it with your chest. Say, I am destined for greatness. Even if it doesn't feel that way right now or look that way, just know the fact that you're here, I believe, is because God has a plan for you. And he's connected you to this church, which is a great church, because you are destined to do great things. All right. Now, this is. You know, we first have to define what we mean by greatness, because times we sing about being great or we have a desire to be great professionally in our careers and ministry. But sometimes we don't define greatness how God defines greatness. So let's do a little defining, if you don't mind. okay? and so in the world's terms of greatness, it's all um, about getting you a new Tesla and flipping your Bitcoin and getting you a beach house and getting a better house and making more money and having a million subscribers on your YouTube channel. You know how it is. And some of you all, when you say I'm destined for greatness, that's what you think. I'm going to be a best-selling author. I am going to have an album that goes around the world. I am going to accomplish this great feat. And we want you to be able to do all of that, but that's not the definition that God has for greatness. And I think it's important that we define things how God defines things. So when we say I'm destined for greatness, I'm not talking about all of the natural secular definition of greatness. I'm talking about what God says greatness is. And Jesus says that the servant is the greatest. And if you are destined for greatness, you're not going to be able to walk into that greatness if you don't have a spirit of servitude. And I'm not just talking about serving today. I'm talking about being a servant. Because sometimes we can have the things that we do, but I don't care what you do. I want to know who you are. There are people that serve, but they're not a servant. Today, I need to speak to servants that are in the house. Because if you have a calling on your life to be a great person, The way up is down. It's not you going out and doing it the world's way and climbing up the ladder of success because that's how the world does. The, The world loves to push everybody else down while I go up. But God says, if you go down, I'll make sure that you go up. And I want to look at a few scriptures. If you're ready, say I'm ready. Mark 9, 35, and we'll read this together. Ready, read. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and he said, anyone. Who wants to be first will be what? The very last and the servant of all. Now, that probably wasn't your goal at the beginning of 2021 that I want to be last (laughs) and I want to be the servant of all. But there's revelation in this. Matthew 23 and 11, it says, and the greatest among you will be your what? For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be what? Try again. Luke 22, verse 24. And it says, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them would be considered the greatest. Isn't it just like us out of our carnal nature to want to be the best at everything? Now, if I was truthful, I want to be the best. All right. But I've had to come to terms that I don't want to be 
anything more than what God wants me to be. And I'm content with where I am. That's a very good place. Seven months of cancer and stuff like that. It will humble you and teach you that you're not supposed to be trying to keep up with the Joneses. If your name is Jones, God bless you. But what I'm saying is whoever that is, I don't care about keeping up with you. I just want to be the best me that I can be. Jesus said to them, the king of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who exercise authority over them. They call themselves benefactors. So the people that might be your boss or your supervisor, sometimes they're the benefactors of your service. And in the world system, people love to lord over you. They love to kind of um, control you. They love for you to do things that only make them better. But Jesus says this, verse 26, but you're not to be like that. I love it when Jesus is clear. I, know, I love it when the word of God is clear. Like everybody else is doing this, but I want you to do that. Everybody else is going out here, but I want you to do this. Everybody else is saying this is okay, but I haven't called you to do what everybody else is doing. I've called you to do this. And he's saying this is that everybody else is trying to control and manipulate their way to the top. He says, don't be like them. Instead, the greatest among you shall be like the youngest. Wow. Child like faith. And the one who rules like the one who serves. And I love this last sentence. Everybody hang on to this. It says, for who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Hmm. Is it not the one who sits at the table? That's what everybody thinks. But Jesus gives this revelation. But I, Lord Jesus, am among you as one who serves. So I gave you three passages of scripture and they have something in common. What is it? Did you catch it? Service, anything else? Okay. This is what we call a paradox. Everybody say a paradox. paradox. Say it again, a paradox. paradox. What is a paradox? I'm glad you asked. It is a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. Layman's terms. It looks wrong, but it's right. There's a contradiction inside of the paradox. Everybody say a paradox. It looks like every, it should be this way, but it's actually that way. It looks like this, but it's actually that. And what I found out through reading the Bible, do you know I've been in ministry 20 years? I've been a lead pastor for 14 years. And what I've realized is that the Bible is filled with paradoxes. For example, if you want to get, the first thing you have to do is give. All right. Now, I know some people don't like the way that sounds. I don't give. I don't give to give. Okay, I understand your motivation is love when you give, but at the same time, harvest is attached to the seed. And so it would seem in the world system, like if you want to get, the world system will say, keep everything that you have, take everything that you can, and just save a whole lot. But in the kingdom of God, there is a paradox. Everybody say a paradox. Meaning that he says that if you give, it shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over that he will give seed to the sower and multiply your seed sown. It's a paradox. Everybody say a paradox. Here's another one. <laughs> if you want to enjoy your life, you have to give away your life. Everybody say that's a paradox. It would seem like if I want to enjoy my life, I need to party more. Come on. I need to drink more. I need to invite. I need to network more. I need to do this more. I need to be the life of the party. I need to. Ne I need more followers. But the Bible has a paradox. And it says that if you want the abundant life, the first thing you got to do 
is you got to give up your life. Meaning that if you want the life that God has for you, you have to first give away your life to Jesus because the abundant life comes after the sacrificed life. It's a paradox. All right. And I love this one that we're looking at right now because the servant is the greatest. The servant is the greatest. And this is a point that I'm going to make throughout today. The servant is the greatest. That is a paradox. Everybody say it's a paradox. That makes no sense that the servant is the greatest. And so Jesus comes and he's like, listen, everybody thinks that the person that's reclining at the table is the one who's the man. He's the greatest. Think about it. If you went into a restaurant, what's your favorite restaurant? Let's just say Capitol Grill because you was going to say McDonald's, but I'm going to bring you to a higher level. <clears throat> You're in Capitol Grill and you see the person with the VIP booth and they got steak and they got lobster and they order in the bubbly and they're not even thinking about you know, how much money they're spending. Most of us, if we were to be honest, even those online, we would say, that's the greatest right there, okay? But Jesus says, I have not come like the person that's ordering the steak and the lobster. I'm coming like the young man who has the apron on that's taking the order. I've, I'm coming like the person that's pulling out the pen and the pad and saying, what else would you like with that? I'm coming like the person that's going back to the kitchen, getting the order together, because it is a paradox. It is a contradiction that we think we're going to get ahead this way. But Jesus breaks that mold and he says, the way you're going to get up is by going down. The way that you're going to get ahead is by humbling yourself. If you humble yourself, then I'm going to lift you up. So he changes the mode of operating for the believer that if you want to be great, if you want to get ahead, it's not by pushing yourself forward. It's not by you climbing up the ladder of success. It's by you holding somebody else's ladder. It's by you getting under somebody else and preferring them more than yourself. And then God says, okay, now you're ready for promotion because the servant is the greatest. Is this thing going? Are y'all hearing me today? All right. And so today's message to me is a lot more than just the message. It's an impartation. And I really believe that God has brought me here today to leave the spirit, the attitude and the mindset of service in the house. That the Holy Spirit will use me as a vessel just to drop this anointing to where from this day forward, we will be a house that just loves to serve. You know, I want to move us from serving is something that we have to do to where serving is something that we get to do. Serving is something that, you know, how we say, well, I ain't got time. It's not something that is something that you make time for. It's not something like, oh, they keep sending me emails and they want me to register for planning center. No, that's something that I love to do. Send me emails. How can I help? Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the mindset of a servant. We're so busy with our business that we're not taking care of God's business. But if you take care of God's house, he's going to take care of your house. Come on. I'm preaching better than you saying amen today. And I believe there is an anointing in this place. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but this is a great church. Have you guys figured this out or not? Okay. Listen, I've probably preached on five different continents all around the world, Africa, India, Australia, all around the world. And I, I know a good church when I'm in one. This is a great church. But this is not a great church just because we have um, the, the best amenities. You know, this is not a great church because we have great singing or great preaching or a great youth ministry. This is a great church because this is a serving church, a serving church because the servant is the greatest. What we did on Serve Saturday and how we went out yesterday or last, um, last Saturday and 800 people went out and served the people of our city and we built houses and we clothed people and we fed people. Come on, somebody. What is, what, is, what is a serving church? A serving church is filled with serving people. 
people who have the spirit of service on us. And I need you to realize today that you're a part of something that's great. This is a great church. It's a serving church. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so this church is not a great church just because of our amenities. It's not a great church just because of our children's programming. Because sometimes in church, and I've noticed this, is that we can become customers and consumers when we should be people of covenant. We should be people that are here because this is where God has placed us. And it doesn't matter how the style changes, the ministry changes, the leadership changes. This is the brook God's called me to to drink from. But sometimes we're customers and we we treat the church like we would buy a new car. And if we go to Honda and they don't have leather seats, then we'll go to Nissan. And if we go to Nissan and they don't have Bluetooth capability, we're going to go over to Kia. Or I don't know where y'all get your cars from, but you know what I'm saying. But the church ain't supposed to be based upon a customer mentality. When you don't get what you want, then you're looking for the next best thing. The church is supposed to be a place that you have a covenant relationship with. And I'm called to you just like you're called to me. Okay, let me make it Union Church. You're called to Pastor Stephen in the vision of this house, just like he's called to you. And he's not looking for another opportunity because he's called to this place, just like you're called to this place. And when you finally realize that, you'll move from being a customer into a place who, to a person who is in covenant with the house God's called you to. Would the church say amen? And I believe that God has given me a few things like prophetically as I was praying over you guys about this church. The Lord showed me seven to eight locations in this region. And listen, when Pastor Stephen gets back, he can say this is not of God. But my job is just to to say what I believe God gave me, you know. All right. And then y'all can do whatever you want to do with it. I'll probably never see you again. It's all right. No, I'm just playing. (laughs) The Lord showed me seven to eight campuses in this region. And when I say this region, I'm talking about Virginia, Maryland, D.C. and Baltimore. The Lord also showed me that this church would be a hub to where leaders from around the nation will come here to learn how to do church more effectively. Um, The Lord gave me a word for you guys, and it was new grace. Everybody say new grace. And I really don't even know what that means still. And so you can pray with me about what that means. I know what greater grace means. In the book of Acts, the Bible talks about how great grace was upon them all. Now, what I think that it means is to every new level, there's a new devil. And so when God takes you to a new level, which Union Church is on a whole nother level, okay, there also needs to be new grace. Now, the good news for you guys, if you are plugged in and connected to this church, that means that there's new grace for you. And you need new grace on your marriage. You need new grace on your children. You need new grace in your business life. You need new grace for every new level. There's going to be a new, a new devil, but there's a new grace to defeat that devil that's on that new level. Are y'all here with me today? Everybody say new grace. Not only that, the Lord showed me that not only would this church impact this region, but there would be pockets of unions, church DNA around the world, around the nations. And I don't know what that means specifically. I don't know if that means churches or releasing churches or missionary works. I just saw it almost like union church, just parts of the DNA of this house around the world. God, I wish I had faith filled people here. So what does that mean? That means that you have an international calling on this house and you have an international grace and an international anointing on this house. But if you have an international calling and grace with a local mindset, you will stop what God wants to do or you'll get left behind. 
And so if you have an international calling and and, an anointing for the nations on this house, that means that you have to have as a people group an international perspective and an international grace, an international mindset. Because sometimes people join a church that has an international calling, but if you have a local mindset, then you get upset because pastor ain't here today, and you're upset because you had to walk too far to get to the parking lot, and you can't check your kids in right now, and do we got to start another campus? Yes, we got to start another campus. As long as there's lost people going to hell, we're going to start campuses, we're going to preach the gospel, we're going to use every medium that we can possibly use, we don't need to slow down, you need to speed up, baby girl, you need to come along with what God's doing and get on board so you don't get left behind somebody. Come on, I'm ready to preach. Are y'all here today? But that's good news because if God has called you to something that has an international impact, get ready for your business to go to the nations. Get ready for your influence to go to the nations. Get ready for your favor that is on your life to go from here to here because you are connected to something that is divine. Would the church please say amen today? Watch this. I'm going to show you a few things in scripture. Um, Joshua 24 and 15. Let's go to God's word. It says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable for you, and I know some of you guys, you know, you like to spectate instead of participate. So if it's undesirable for you, then choose yourselves today what you'll serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, glory to God, we will serve the Lord. I love this scripture here, y'all, because it's basically reckoning day. <laughs> Joshua was like, hey, y'all, listen, you need to choose today who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve the God who gave you breath, the God who gave you a heart that's beating, or are you going to serve these other gods? Now, some of y'all are like, well, I don't serve the gods of the Ephraites. Y'all don't even know them ites. But do you serve the God of your career? Do you serve the God of your education? Or do you serve the God of your children? Because some of y'all make your children an idol and you put them first when God wants to be first. It's quiet up in this church right now. (laughs) Joshua's like, listen, hey, what you going to do? What you going to do? He says, for me and my house, we will serve. That means that he positioned his will towards service, meaning that you serving in the house is not based upon how you feel. It's based upon your choice because your feeling is like the weather. It changes every single day. But you serve not because you feel like it. How many of y'all sometimes I don't feel like serving? I don't feel like leading no small group. I don't feel like being a drink. I need to take six months off. I, I, I need to watch online. I don't feel like doing this. But if you live by your feelings, you will fail. You need to set your will inside the will of the Lord. Joshua says, I will, for me and my house, I will serve. The, and I love it that he included his family. It wasn't like, hey, I'm going to serve the Lord. He says, no, for me and my kids and them and for my children and everybody who's a part of my family, we're going to serve the Lord. Like I told my children, I have one in elementary, middle school and high school. So basically, I'm an Uber driver in the evenings. It's okay. That's what I do. And it's all like, but I'm your man. I tell my kids, I'm I'm with you. I got your back. You want to do track? Let's do it. You want to do cross country? Let's do it. Soccer, basketball. Ninja warrior, uh, this is literally my life. Everything that I've said, this is what I do. <laughs> what you want? You want Nike, everything, cleats, you want new balls. Hey, I'll spare no expense. But if I'm going to do all that for you, the number one thing, the only thing I ask you to do is you're going to serve in the house of the Lord. 
And if you don't put God first, you're not doing anything else until you learn that for me and my house, we gonna serve. Can I preach to any parents that is here that you've made AAU your idol? Come on, somebody. You've made basketball your idol. You've made football your idol. And listen, our kids are involved in so many other things, but do they know how to get in touch with Jesus? And there comes a place as a father, there comes a place as a single mother, there comes a place as a grandma who is raising some kids that you got to say, listen, I got your back, baby, whatever you want to do. But for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't care what anybody else is doing, because if you put God first, glory to God, all these other things are going to be added unto you. Would the church say amen? Watch this, First Corinthians. I need two hours on the clock, please. First Corinthians, <laughs> Corinthians 15 and 58 in the Amplified. <clears throat> it says, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, unmovable. What if you were like that on the dream team? I don't care what time we got to get up, 5 a.m., I'm steadfast and unmovable. Nobody said Amen. <laughs> Always excelling in the work of the Lord. Not sometimes, not when it's convenient, not when it's comfortable. Doing your best and doing more than than is needed. Man, what if we have people that served with that attitude? I'm here to give my best. Being continually aware, watch this, that your labor, even to the point of exhaustion. Somebody say exhaustion. Come on, somebody say exhaustion. Even to the point of exhaustion in the Lord is not futile, wasted, And it's never without purpose. One translation says it is not in vain. (laughs) Now, how many of y'all been in church long enough to try to mentor somebody, help somebody else? And you feel like it was all in vain. They ain't follow your advice. They ain't do nothing that you told them to do. And you're thinking like, I ain't calling you back no more. You (laughs) You ever been in a place like I'm just so tired of people. It's just like, especially the people that you give jobs to, you give uh, promotion to you help you there for them and then all of a sudden they want to leave you talk bad about you make up lies about you and you have this temptation to say you know what I'm done with church people I'm done with y'all I'm done with everybody but the Bible says that your labor is not in vain and the devil wants you to think that you did that for nothing because one waters and it's one plants but it's God that gives the increase And sometimes we want appreciation from man and promotion from man, but promotion don't come from man. Promotion only comes from God. And sometimes we're looking for people to do something that only God can do. And I love this scripture because it lets us know that our labor is not in vain. You might not see it right now, but you are building eternal rewards when you serve in the house of God. Is anybody here today? And I love it that the Bible says that they served even past the place of exhaustion. Have you ever just been tired before? Like, listen, I'm just like, I don't know. Like these new school Christians that we have is they want to come to church like once a month back in the day. Come on. Anybody old school back in the day? I was in church 17 days in a row. That's true story. 17 days in a row and didn't complain at all and was happy to do it. You know what I'm saying? I remember I served my pastor. I was an armor bearer. That means you just do whatever you ask to do, right? And so um, and back in the day, we have conferences all the time, and we didn't think that, you know, we wanted to hire caterers, so we would be up cooking after the conference, come over to the pastor's house. 1 a.m. in the morning, I'm a businessman. I was making $500,000 a year. I, I owned a real estate company down in Northern Virginia, so I used to be in this area before the Lord called me to Mickey. But what I'm saying is, I'm a business guy. I'm, le- I'm serving, making food. I don't even know how to make as unto the Lord. Past exhaustion. And I know, like, in my church right now, we try to make it easy for y'all. 
It's like, oh, sit one, serve one. Just serve like two times a month. We want to help you find your gifts. Sometimes we ain't going to help you find your gifts. You need to get on the door and just smile at some people. What am I gifted? I don't know what you gifted to do. Just open the door, paint this wall over here. Come on, somebody, cut the grass. Just show up and turn the knob. Come on, somebody. We're trying to help you do what you want to do and just say, listen, Jesus didn't think about himself when he got on the cross. Now, I'm not upset because that's the way my church is set up, and we want to help you have fulfillment. We want to help you with all that. But at the end of the day, there's some grunt work to do. And I need you to know before you get on the dream team, it's hard some days. That was my Bernie Mac. <laughs> that was my Bernie Mac interpret. Um, uh, whatever. Some days it's hard. Some days you're tired. Some days you don't feel like doing anything, but you don't live by how you feel. Jesus ain't feel like bleeding. He didn't feel like a cat of nine tails ripped across his back. He didn't feel like getting on a cross before the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. The bottom line is that God's grace is sufficient for you. Amen. All right. Matthew 10, 42. It says, and whosoever or and whosoever shall give <laughs> and whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water. Only in the name of the disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. So when you serve God, you're going to be rewarded. Even for the little things, like a cup of cold water, that's little. Write this down. If you're too big for the little things, you're too little for the big things. I learned this like 15 years ago. If you're too big for the little things, you're too little. Many times we gravitate to the big things. We want the best-selling book. We want to have multiple millions of dollars in influences. We want to climb up the government ladder. We want to be a G15. And God looks at how we handle the small things to see if we can be entrusted with the little things. Can you just look out for the every little thing of everyday people? So I love to do stuff like open car doors for people. I love to just open, I, I love to see people in the parking lot. A mom got a stroller and she got a baby over here. I love to go out and just help her come in. I love on the elevator. I mean, I'm not just talking about in the church. I'm a servant. I love being on the elevator. And I'm that guy, like, what floor are you going to? Okay, because I'm going to push your button for you. What about you? You going to eight? Okay, eight it is. I love on the elevator to be that guy that holds the door for everybody else. You all can get off now, okay? That's what it means to be a servant. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm that guy. I love when I'm on the plane. I love on the plane, and when I get up on the plane, I sit on the aisle because my bladder can't be on but here, so I got, I like, <laughs> y'all pray for me. I, I got to be on the aisle. So I'm the first one to get up when the plane stops, and then I start looking for older people because, you know, I've been lifting this stuff so I can get their bags from off top because I'm a servant. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about servanthood. I'm talking about where you take care of the needs of other people. I love it when I get off the plane and the pilots are like, hey, thank you for traveling. No, thank you. <laughs> Thank you for helping us get here safely. God bless you, brother. <laughs> you know, we live in a day and time where people just take everything for granted. What would happen if the church just served? I'm not talking about just in the church. I'm talking about in the church, outside the church, in your community. What if you didn't just serve? You became a servant. I'm telling you, you've been destined for greatness. Somebody say amen. <laughs> I'll give you one more and then I'm done. 
Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 in the Amplified. It says, so then, while we as individual believers have the opportunity, let us do good to all people. Amen? That means the atheists, the agnostics, those who do not live like we live, we're still to be good to them. Not only being helpful, but also doing that which promotes their spiritual well-being. Now let's turn it up. But especially be a blessing to those of the household of faith and born-again believers. Now I know there's some of you all who say, well, pastor, I serve my community and I serve my family. But do you serve in the church? The household of believers. You say, pastor, I serve on the mission field and I serve in soup kitchens. Keep up that good work. Keep on doing that. Keep taking care of your family. But my question for you is, do you serve in God's house? We need a Davidic generation. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. David loved the house of God. And some of us, we we put up with the house of God. We kind of come here and there, and it's casual. And that's why you have casual manifestations. Because there needs to be a deep-rooted commitment to the house of God. As imperfect as we are. It's amazing how people church hop because they're looking for the perfect church. But if it was a perfect church, as soon as you join it, it would no longer be perfect. Did you do the math on that one? Okay, let's see. Because you're imperfect people. And so we are imperfect people leading other imperfect people to the glory of God the Father. And so we're not the ones who set it up. God has set it up this way that you need to be offended with each other sometimes so God can teach you how to grow through that offense. You need to have a leader that don't call you back and ain't there for you so that you can figure out how to get your needs met from the Lord. You need to be able to deal with people that are nasty, ugly, rude, and unlovely so you can figure out how to turn the other cheek and overcome evil with good. Sometimes we want to leave where we're working because this just ain't no Christians. What in the world are we thinking? You are the light that's in the dark place. You want to take the the light out because we want it to be comfortable. But Christianity, the last time I read, it was to carry your cross, not to go throw your cross in the trash and try to have a comfortable life. It's not supposed to be convenient, but it can still be powerful. So here's the thing. My hope for you today is that this is not a message that you hear, but a message that you'll do something with. Like, because I've been doing this, you know, so long, I realize who I am. Pastor Stephen is a really gifted teacher. Sometimes I hear him teach, and I'm like, oh, my God, I want to retire. Are you hiring at Union Church? (laughs) Even Pastor Jimmy, I hear him preach. I'm like, man, that's so much fire. And I might not have the greatest revelation, and I actually, my throat is very dry today, being four weeks off of sabbatical, and I was hearing myself. I'm like, oh, my God. But, you know, the one thing that I do possess and carry (laughs) is an anointing to help people take a step towards purpose. And if you are destined for greatness and you believe that about yourself, you cannot be great if you spectate and not participate. You are fooling yourself thinking that you're going to be this great person outside the church. Until you become a person that stewards the remedial tasks inside the church. I remember I own back in 2003, 4, and 5, my income was probably $500,000 a year. 
And I would leave out of my house. I lived in Akakeek, built a big old house in Akakeek. Some of y'all know where that is. Fort Washington, Prince George's, whatever. I would leave out of my house after it was snow, step over my driveway where I haven't shoveled my snow and go to the church and, sh and shovel the snow at the church because I want to take care of the house of the Lord. I, there was a time in my career where I was very, very successful. I had a nanny taking care of my two-year-old, people cooking for me, and had cleaners coming to my house, but I would leave, go to the church, put on my Adidas sweats and a Walkman. Y'all remember Walkmans? I put Walkmans on and get the vacuum and go clean the bathrooms at the church. Because sometimes we want the big things, but God wants to see if you can steward the small things. I want to give you an opportunity to step towards greatness today. That's what I'm anointed to do. And um, the first thing that you can do is put your faith in Jesus because he came to serve us with his life. I love it that Jesus says that I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. The king of glory who steps out of heaven, the Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And everything that was made was made by him. The Emmanuel, the Messiah, the anointed one in his anointing, he steps out of heaven into the earth, not for us to serve him, but for him to serve us. And the number one thing that we get the opportunity to do online and here today is to say, Jesus, because you've served me through the cross, I want to serve you by giving my heart to you today. You don't have to be a perfect person to be a forgiven one. You just have to surrender. You don't have to believe everything. All you need to believe is, is that Jesus died for you and you want to put your faith in him today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, I would love to pray this simple five-second prayer that can change your eternal address. Saints, you can pray with me at this time. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Ken, I don't want a religion, but I do want a relationship with God through Jesus. If you're here and humble enough to say that you've ever sinned last night, last, last week, last decade, We've all sinned, all fallen short of the glory of God. You don't want to pay the price for your own sin when Jesus paid it for you. This is the greatest time to just say, Jesus, I want to accept that, what you've done for me. And if that's you on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. It's just an act of surrender and saying, God, I give you me. On the count of three, if that's you, lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift it up high. I see your hand, 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 your hand. And if you're online, God is right there where you are. Just lift your hand towards him. And we're going to pray this simple prayer, giving our hearts to the one who gave us his life. Nobody prays alone. Everybody pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. On today, I make a decision to surrender my life to you. I believe you died for my sins. I confess you as my Savior and my Lord. From this day forward, I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Would you put your hands together? <laughs> Come on, Union Church. You can do better than that. Come on, Columbia. Columbia. People got saved in Columbia. 
Come on, Baltimore County. Come on, Baltimore County. Who got saved there online? All of heaven is rejoicing. There's a Holy Ghost party. And you know ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. We love you guys. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. You all can be seated. Hey, if you just made that decision, we want to know. Um, there's a connection card that you have in your seat. If you could pull that out very quickly, there's also going to be a number that comes up. If you just gave your heart to Jesus, that's your first step. Your second step would be growth track, and we want to help you get there. How many of you all feel like today's word was for you? Show of hands. Anybody? Okay. If you feel like it wasn't for you, lift your hand. I'm not going to be mad. I don't care. I didn't say care. I said care. You saw that, right? I always thought it was funny how Maryland people didn't say Maryland. They say Merlin. Merlin. Where are you from? From Merlin. No, you ain't. You're from Maryland. <laughs> Anyways, let me see. How many of you all feel like this was a word for you? Let me see. Okay. Because even if you have been serving, you're a part of the dream team, you should serve with more passion now, with more revelation now, with more honor now. But this is what I believe the Lord gave me. And listen very carefully online. Listen very carefully. There are many of us who have been coming and we've been destined for greatness, but we're not even taking the first step yet, which is on the dream team. And today's your day, not just to hear this message, but to do something about that. And so what I want you to do is I want everybody to get this card in your hand very, very quickly. Everybody put this in your hand. It's a white card. It's in the floor. It's around you. If you don't have one of these cards, lift up your hand. Ushers, bring, bring these cards if you can. Everybody put it, put it in the air. Wave it like you really do care. Come on, Columbia. Put it in the air. Come on, Baltimore County. Come on. Say, hey, ho, hey. All right. If you are not currently a part of our dream team, meaning that you do not serve currently somewhere in this church, kids ministry, youth ministry, outreach ministry, usher ministry, worship ministry, production ministry, but you know in your heart that you've been destined for greatness and you want to do something about what you've heard, I want you to begin to fill this card out very quickly. I am crazy enough to believe that after today, we will have a hundred new dream teamers. I ask God, God, would you have a hundred people who hear this word, not just hear this word, but do this word. This is what I know. There is a great harvest of souls coming to Union Church September and October. In the fall, you will fall into a greater plan that God has for this church. Every single person who has been coming to this church, receiving from this church, now has to serve in this church because the harvest is plenteous. It's just the laborers, the workers, those who are okay with being a little exhausted every here and again for Jesus. Don't live in exhaustion. Y'all know that would have been out of bounds. But every once in a while, we got to do what we got to do for the king. And I will say this, that you don't have to have a boatload of time. You don't have to be a perfect person or without sin to serve. You don't have to. We don't want to monopolize your schedule. If you can just give us a couple times a month, here's the easy part. You can serve. You say, Pastor, I don't know where to serve. Fill out this card. We're going to have a conversation with you, and we're going to help you. We're going to help you get in somewhere 
And then after you're there for a few months, maybe you'll find the next place that God wants you to serve in. You know, I started off serving in the choir and I can't sing. I was a part of the Christ Singers, New Hope Baptist, Beckley, West Virginia. And um, so I was a Christian atheist for 10 years. Then when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I got back in the church. The pastor was like, we need more men serving. And I said, well, I used to be a Christ singer. I'm telling you, I'll be up in the tenor section lip syncing. (laughs) But it made me great. Come on, somebody. It made me great. And then I started serving in the prayer ministry. Every Friday night, we had an hour of power. And all my friends, I was 22 years old. They would all go to the happy hour. I go to the presence of the Lord and get happy. It's cheaper that way. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's cheaper that way. (laughs) And for five years, I prayed every single Friday night. And so we've served on the TV cameras in our church. I served clean in the church. There's nothing like serving in the house of God. All right. So I want to hear the reports that we went exceedingly abundantly on these. Of course, there's a number if you're online and you say, I want to serve and you haven't been back to church yet or you're traveling. I want you to text the name, the name Dream Team to 474747. I mean, you can't forget that. It's 47 times three. 474747 to the Dream Team. And I really feel I want to say this and I want to encourage you. It's time to get back to church. I'm going to say this to you because I ain't going to be here next week. But for real, though, the NBA stands are filled up with thousands of people. And basketball can't save anybody, can't deliver you, can't heal you. And some of God's people has used the pandemic to chill on the couch. And it's time for us to get back to the house and worship the God that gave you the couch. And worship the God that wants to give you the house. To worship the God that wants to heal you, set you free, and give you eternal life. So we love you. We just want you to come back. God bless you guys. I'm out of here. Bye-bye. 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 Love y'all.